is here with us right now. And no matter what your past looks like or how scary your future may be, you can trust God. You can trust God. And because he is here with us, we have everything we need today. We are still his church. We are still his church. We are still his church. Well, good morning. Let me welcome you to Crossroads. We are excited that you're here. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that November has been full of the unexpected, uh, if you know what I'm saying. And it's funny how that when you find yourself in a place that you didn't expect to be, it kind of makes you start to look at things a little bit differently. Uh, you remember me saying it's in times of change, and it's, it's during those times of transition that God wants to do something that he could do at no other time. It's only in that time of change and that time of transition, that's the place that he can do something different, that he could do at no other time. And it's really the place that our church finds itself right now. Because last weekend, I dropped the bomb on two services at 8.30 and at 10 and told you after 17 years, our heating and air units had given up the ghost. They had said, you know what, we're done. We're out of here, like some of us want to be, right? I mean, it's like we're done, we're out of here. Uh, and they served us well for 18 years. We installed those. We have total control over this building. Eight, about 18 years ago, we installed those brand new, but now we have to replace them. And I told you, and again, I don't want to hear any gasps, okay? I heard a few last week. I told you don't do it. It's a gasp for me to have to even talk about it, okay? But I told you that the cost was going to be upwards of $100,000 and that we were going to have to raise $100,000 so that we could keep pushing forward the mission and the vision that God has given Crossroads. So it simply means that regardless of who you are, we need to look inside and we need to see what we can do to make that happen. I mean, think about it, because for most of you, you don't understand, but this was just a warehouse. And we came in before we held the first service. And we completely built out this building. So it was ready, willing, and able to accommodate and meet people right where they are and let them experience God right where they were in their lives. It was ready. It was ready for them. Every light, every air conditioning unit, every piece of furniture was here and ready to go. So over the last 17 years, people have come in and they have experienced God right where they are in life. As a matter of fact, here's something that I didn't even realize. Today, on this exact date, November the 12th, 2006, today is the 12th, right? It's when, that's when we had our very first service, 17 years ago. So here's the thing. This is all on us now. Somebody did it for us. Now it's on us. And I told you last week, I know some people kind of cringe when I said it, but I need 10 people to give 10,000. I need 20 people to give 5,000. I need 100 people to give 1,000. Give what you can. Do what you can. And please, don't put it off thinking that somebody else is going to do it. It's something that needs to be done right now so that we can put it behind us and we can move on. We kind of find ourselves in what I talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, the dip. <laughs> I didn't know what I preached about the dip, that I was about to fall deep into the dip. But it, it's kind of that valley of despair. And, and you heard me say a couple of weeks ago that 
not knowing again what was going to happen, that is the place where God does what only God can do. So it's just looking at where we find ourselves. And after last weekend, after having to talk about this, I really started to think and study and pray and look and listen and, and watch and try to figure out where I wanted to go this week and the next couple of weeks. And the thing that I discovered is that I, want, I wanted to kind of help you see the church the way that God sees the church. Because here's the thing, the church that meets in this building, whether we have heat and air or not, that church is important to God. And I want to help you see what this church is supposed to be like. And, and I love what David writes in Psalm 26, verse 8. Here's what, it, it's what it says. Here's what it says about David. David said, I love the house where you live. I love the place where your glory dwells. And then later in Psalms, we find David where he says this in Psalm 69, verse 9. He said, it's the zeal for your house that consumes me. And let me tell you this, when, when, and i got to try to talk quieter because I haven't had a voice all week, uh, and so I kind of got it back Thursday, and it's a little bit better, but I kind of get into this, and so I need to kind of pull it down a little bit. But when David talks about the zeal for the house of God, he's not necessarily talking about bricks and stone and mortar and metal and wood and AC units. That's not what he's talking about. But he's talking about the place where people, where God's people come together. And they come together under God's blessing and God's covering. And when they come together, they experience God's power and they experience God's presence. He's talking about the place where lives begin to change and transformation, and transformation begins to happen. That's when David says his zeal consumes him. That's the very thing that David was consumed by. And, and, and here's the thing. I, I, I know there's a statement that you've heard me say before, and I'm sure you've heard countless other pastors say it before, too. It's not original to me, but you've heard me say it. And the statement is this. I believe that the church is the hope of the world. And the reason I believe that the church is the hope of the world is because Jesus is the hope of the world. And the church is his body on the planet. We just have to understand that Jesus is not physically here anymore. He's up in heaven, and he has left us here, and he has put us where we are this morning in the church. We are his hands and his feet on this earth. And I love the way Paul says it in Ephesians 1 verse 23. Look at what he says. He says, the church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. And that's the thing that God desires to do. God desires to fill Wilson County with his presence. And the way that he wants to do that is through you and through me, through this church and the things this church has been called to do. And one of the things that this church has been called to do is something that many of you have already participated in. It's called the 100 Box Project. It's where we as a church over the last 14 or 15 years have filled thousands of boxes and distributed those during the Christmas season to people in our community who would not experience a Christmas 
without the food and the staple food items that you guys have provided. So I know many of you already have, but if you haven't today, I would just encourage you to, as you exit, there's a table set up in the lobby. You just simply pick up a brochure, you sign up, you commit, you follow the instructions on the brochure, you fill the box, you return the box on the date that it's called, it's told to be brought back, and then we will distribute those to people in our community. Many of those single moms and senior citizens in our community who are just looking to find enough food to make ends meet. And especially that is important during the Christmas season. So if you haven't committed to do that, let me encourage you to commit to do that as well. Because that's God's desire. His desire is for us to be His church in this community. Now, the thing about the church is there are very distinctive purposes on the church. And we, and we find those distinctive purposes in the Word of God. But here's the thing, at Crossroads, we have looked at what the, what the purposes of the church are, and we have tried to put those in our own language. And if you've looked at our church and looked about our church and looked at the mission and the vision, the mission and the vision of our church, then, then here's the way we kind of describe that, the purposes of the church. We, we really want people in our own particular way to kind of go about it this way. We encourage people to pursue three vital relationships, intimacy with God, community with insiders, and influence with outsiders. We're called not just to know about God, but we're actually called to know the creator of the universe. And we're called to know him in an upfront and personal way. So as a church, what we want to do is we want to make it easy for people to find God, but hard for people to forget about God. And then we want to help them grow in their relationship with God and to grow in their relationship with other people, the people that are in their lives. Because when it comes to our lives, that's what life is really all about. And I mean, you, you, you think life is about other things. It's not about your job. It's not about your car. It's not about your house. It's not about your 401k. It's not about how much money you have or, or how many trips you're going to take. Or how many sports your kids play. Life is about your relationship with God. And it's about your relationship with others. That is what your life truly, really is about. And, and some people I know are going to question me on that. But I can tell you that life is about God and life is about others. The reason I can tell you those two things are the most important things is because, let me tell you, when you lay on your deathbed and you're taking those last breaths, the only thing that you're going to be thinking about is your relationship with God and the relationship that you had with other people. You're going to be thinking about your relationship with God because you're just about to meet Him. That's what's important. So my question to you this morning is, do you have a relationship with God? Have you invested in your relationship with God? This morning, if, if Jesus were to, turn, to, to, to return right now, is your relationship with God where it actually needs to be? All of, those, all of, all of that is going to be going through your mind. As you lay there and as you take those final breaths. 
You're going to be thinking about your relationship with God. And then the second thing is you're going to start thinking about your relationship with your family and your loved ones. You're going to think about the people that God has placed in your life. Because really, that's all you're going to care about. You're not going to care about your credit card bills. Amen, amen. I mean, you're not going to care about credit card bills. Run, run them up and then get out of here. You know what I'm saying? You're not, going to, you're not going to care about your credit card bills. You're not going to care about the interest rates. You're not going to care about Biden or Trump or Kennedy. It ain't going to make no difference. The only thing when you're on your deathbed, the only thing that you're going to care about is your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. And here's the thing. Did you know that the church is the only organization in the world that's committed to those two things? The church is the only organization in the world that's committed to helping you get close to God. Show me something else in the world that's, that's committed to helping you get close to God. Show me something else in the world that's committed to helping you love your wife or your husband or your kids or your neighbors or your coworker. Show me something else in this world that's committed like the church is committed to do that very thing. And that's what we're all about. And once you begin to grow in those areas, that's when you begin to discover your purpose. Your purpose is, why in the world am I even here? Why, why did God even put me here? You want to know your purpose. And then when you discover your purpose and you attach your purpose to the eternal God, then all of a sudden your life takes on eternal significance. And there's destiny in your life. And all of a sudden you can make a difference with your life. God wants this place to be a place of healing, a place of hope, and a place of restoration. God wants this place to be the place where you come and discover how to live life to the fullest. God wants his family, this family, to make up the things that are missing in your family. God wants you to find things here. Spiritual brothers, spiritual sisters. He wants those spiritual brothers and those spiritual sisters to, to, to come alongside you and to join you when maybe you didn't have those brothers and sisters in your life or you don't have them in your life right now. Maybe spiritual parents or grandparents and kids. Because, see, all of those things are available in God's family right here, right now. And one of the things that I, that I know many of us understand and, and, and that we understand is this idea of God being the Father. God, you know, we refer to him oftentimes as God the Father, God our Heavenly Father. Most people know that. Most people understand that concept. Most people know who their spiritual father is. But one of the things that I think most people don't know is who their spiritual mother is. So think about it. If God is our spiritual father, then who is our spiritual mother? Well, think about the church. I mean, the church is the bride of Christ. And Jesus chose that through his church, 
That's the place that spiritual children would be born. Spiritual children there in the church would be nurtured for, and they would be cared for and fed. They would be instructed in how to grow in their faith. And Jesus chose to do that through his church. And I think most of us understand God as our Father, but we're not just children of God. We're actually children of the church. And that's by design. And I actually think that God wants his kids to love and to honor their spiritual mom. It gets really quiet when you say that. You know what I'm saying? God wants his kids to honor the church. See, I grew up in the church. I received my calling in the church. The church is the place that I learned to pray. The church is the place that I learned to read the Bible and and to follow and to love and to care for other people. I learned all of those things in the church. Not the building, not the institution, but people. There were people that poured their life into me. And one of the things that I hear more often than you might believe is this statement. Well, Randy, I'm, 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 I'm all about Jesus. I just, I'm not into the church. I, I, I'm all about Jesus. I, I, I just love Jesus. I've seen bumper stickers. I love Jesus, but I just don't like the church, which makes absolutely no sense at all. And what that tells me that when people are making that statement is that those people are not reading their Bible. Because if they did, they would realize how much Jesus loved and cared about the church. Because when you think about it, Jesus came to establish the church. Jesus didn't come to establish a religion. Jesus came to establish the church, a family. In fact, it says in Ephesians chapter 5 that he loved the church so much that he laid down his life for the church. So apparently, according to what it says in Scripture, the church is worth dying for. So if that is Jesus Christ's response to the church, then it makes me wonder what my response should be. What your response to the church should be. See, I don't think it should be casual. Oh, well, you know, it's, it's a beautiful Sunday. I think, I think we're just going to stay home. Oh, the sun's out. Oh, it's raining and I don't want to get wet. You know how many people don't come to church because they're afraid they're going to get wet? Oh, the Titans are playing. Uh, you know, they're on TV today. My kids have sports today. Oh, we need to go to Christmas Village. I know Christmas Village is probably over yesterday, but I'm just using that as an example. We treat church so casually. Sometimes we get kind of casual about this thing, the church. But then we need to think about what God did to establish the church. See, long before I was here, the church was here. And if Jesus doesn't return soon, long after I'm gone, the church will still be here. The government has tried to shut down the church, suppress the church. They have tried to force the church underground. 
the actual leaders of the church have been martyred and killed. But I can tell you today that even though my voice is not strong, the church of Jesus Christ is strong. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And not because the church is perfect. I mean, look at who you're sitting next to. The church is not perfect. I tell people all the time, if they find the perfect church, don't join that church because you'll screw the church up. You won't find a perfect church. In fact, when you see things around crossroads that aren't perfect, that should make you feel good. This is actually a place for you. The church isn't perfect. Crossroads isn't perfect because there is no perfect church. The church is made up of imperfect people, just like you and just like me. People who are trying to love Jesus a little more. Love Jesus a little more today than they did yesterday. Serve Jesus a little more today than they did yesterday. So don't confuse the imperfect people that are in church with the God-ordained purpose that is on the church. Those are two completely different things. You see, when you read about the church in the Bible, there are a few words repeated in Scripture that define the church, words that you, you've heard. And I want to show you those words, and I want you to see those words. When we read Scripture, we see like these three different words that kind of describe the church. The Scripture says that the church is a, a family. It says the church is a bride, and the church is a body. Now, now look at those three words on the screen behind me, a family, a bride, and a body. Because when you look at those three words, all of those words imply connection. In fact, without connection, there's no completion in those words. I mean, think about it. I, by myself, am not a family. It takes more than just me to be a family. To be a family means there has to be a connection. A bride is not a bride without a groom. There has to be a connection. A body is not a body without a part. A body has many different parts. But all of those parts function as a whole. Jesus says in Romans chapter 12 that you are part of a body. You're not the same part of that body as other people. But it goes on to say that you're a part of a body. You simply can't function unless you're a part of the body. Because you have been created by God to function. I mean, just think, a hand cut off from a body cannot function. The hand is designed to be connected to the body. You can function in who you have been created to be if you're a part of the body of Christ. Apart from the body of Christ, you cannot function in who you were created to be. The body is the church. 
Now, with all that in mind, there are some verses found in Psalms that I, I know we probably read these before, but I don't think that I've ever actually spoken from these actual verses. So this morning, I want to take the rest of our time together, and then I'm going to take the time next week. I, I normally don't do this, but I was kind of worried about my voice and worried about the temperature in the building because I didn't know what it was going to be, and I thought, well, I'm going to kind of get them out as early as I can. I probably won't get you out any early at all, but, but I wanted to try. And I'm going to kind of divide this message into two parts today and next week. But the, the, these, are from, these verses are from Psalm 92, starting at verse 12. It's 12, and here's what it says. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. They will bear fruit in old age. They will be fresh and flourishing. Now, here's the thing you need to understand. The, these verses are all about you. They're all about what God has for your life. And if these verses are what God has for your life and it's all about you, then the lens that you need to be looking through are these verses. Because the verses say that the righteous will flourish. And again, I say the word righteous and some of you say, well, Randy, you don't know what I did last week. Some of you say, well, Randy, you don't know what I did last night. You know, I mean, you, 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 you hear the word righteousness and you say, you know what? I, I don't know that I could be called righteous. And you can't be called righteous. You're righteous because of Jesus Christ. Our righteousness, the Bible says, our good deeds, the Bible says those are as filthy rags. So know by yourself, you can't be righteous. But if you are in Jesus and you have given your life to Jesus, then when God looks at you, God sees you covered in the righteousness of Christ. So because of that, that promise of flourishing is for you. That the righteous will flourish. And that word flourish means to thrive. It means to grow strong. It means to bear fruit. Thrive, to grow strong, to bear fruit. Even in your old age, you're still going to be bearing fruit. And, and what's really interesting is the psalmist gives us two word pictures when it comes to how you're going to thrive. He says you're going to grow strong like a palm tree and like a cedar in Lebanon. Now think about a palm tree. Because a palm tree, it seems, can grow just about anywhere. They can grow in just about any climate. They grow on a beach. Why do they grow on a beach? They grow on a beach because their, their roots go down deep. They go down deep so that they can find the nourishment that they need. I mean, think about it. Have you ever seen a palm tree in a storm? A palm tree will bend way over one way, and it'll bend way over the other. 
A palm tree can actually almost bend all the way to the ground. And they say that after the storm, the palm tree is actually stronger than it was before the storm. Again, it's a word picture for us. It means that the child of God who is planted in the house of God That you may go through seasons. You may go through storms that are bad. You may go through seasons that are good. You may go through things as a child of God that you have to weather. And you're going to bend and you're going to break. And you're going to bend but you're not going to break. You're going to stand strong. Because you're like a palm tree. Then he says you're like a cedar in Lebanon. And all through the Bible, we find references to these cedars of Lebanon. Because the cedars of Lebanon are unique. They grow tall. Sometimes they can be 120 to 140 feet tall. Sometimes the circumference of a cedar of Lebanon can be 40 feet around. That's how big they are. The roots go down and they grip on the rocks and the stones and the ground so that they have the strength and the stability to carry on their life. They're known for their longevity. Some of the cedars in Lebanon, not here, over there, are actually known to be 2,000 years old. And that's what God is saying. God is saying that's what he wants for your life. That's what he wants for your family. This is your destiny. This is your future. But the only way that can be found is actually by experiencing the next verse. And I would submit to you this morning that it would be difficult, if not impossible, to experience what we just talked about without the next verse. Look at verse 13. It says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. So what does that say? You've got to be planted to get in on the promise. A lot of us want the promise, but we don't want to get planted. So by definition, I want to show you what planted means. Planted means to put something firmly and strongly in a particular place. Now look what it says. It, it, it means to put something firmly and strongly in a particular place. Not just any place, but in a particular place. Oh, follow me over here. I have a lid here. And on this lid, it'll be hard for you to see. I should have used a flat plate, but anyway. I have an apple seed. And, and in this apple seed... It's not just any apple seed. That's an apple seed that was actually taken out of an apple yesterday at my house. The apple seed that I'm holding in my hand, it has the potential to be a life-giving seed. It has the potential to be fruit-bearing. It has the potential to be an oxygen-generating source. And it's all right here in this little seed that I'm actually holding in my fingers here, right in my hand. You can't see it, but I have it right there. If you want to see it after the service, you come right up here. It's on this little lid. 
But here's the thing. It can only do the things that I just named if this seed actually gets planted. It has to get planted. If it stays on that dish or it stays on that lid, if this apple seed stays in a bag on the shelf at Burpee's seed catalogs place where they store seeds, it, it will never do anything. It's never going come, come to what, become what it was created to become unless this seed that I'm holding in my hand gets planted. It actually has to get firmly and strongly placed in a particular place. It has to be put in the soil. It has to be planted. So this verse is actually a scripture for you and me. If you and I want to get it on the promise, then you have to get planted. So again, the, the things of God, they, they get planted in the dirt. And then all of a sudden, something happens. They get planted, the things of God get planted in the dirt. They get planted in the house of God, and all of a sudden, something happens. You know what happens? We get distracted. We get distracted and, and somebody says something about us or somebody does something to us or somebody does something that we don't like in the house of God. And we say, you know what? I'll just take my little planted seed back. Because I'm not going to plant it there if that's the way they're going to do. And what do they do? They just hold on to it. Let me ask you, if you're just holding on to that and you won't get planted in the house of God, how's that working out for you? Because if you don't plan it, nothing's going to happen. You're never going to experience who God created to be unless you take it and you plan it. Take who God has created you to be and you plan it in the house of God. Some people, you know what they do? They let something get to them. I mean, they, they, they planted in the house of God. And, and they say, you know what? I don't like the way they do. I just don't like the way I, you know, I don't, I, I don't like the way they treat me. I don't like what they said to me. I, I just don't, I don't understand that. And you know what they do? They, they've been planted in the house of God, but they just pulled it on up. I'm about to make a mess, people. Here we go. And they just pull it up. Even after they've been planted in the house of God. And see, the thing is this. If you don't let your roots grow down deep and stay down deep, then you will never grow up spiritually. And you will never become the person that God has created you to be. Because remember, there is no perfect church. That means that you just have to say, you know what? I understand. I understand 
that people are people and people are imperfect and you just have to make the decision you know what I'm just gonna stay planted in the house of the Lord so I can experience the blessing and the favor of God on my life and I'm gonna let my roots grow down deep I don't want to rip my roots out from the very place that God has planted me. And then there are other times we, 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 we plant our, our, our lives in places that we shouldn't be. I got a little sandy, rocky soil here. I'm not going to pick it up. But sometimes that's the place that we plant our lives. In that sandy, rocky soil. And when I talk about that sandy, rocky soil, I'm talking about maybe you plant your life in your career, in your occupation. Maybe you plant your life in kids' little league sports. And you know that that's not the place that you should be planted. God didn't intend for you to be planted there. Because God didn't intend for you to grow there. See, it doesn't say those whose lives are planted in the house of Little League sports will grow and flourish. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that those who are planted in the office will grow and flourish. It says those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. Remember the definition of planted. Look at it again. Planted means to put something in a firmly, put it firmly and strongly in a particular place. Not just any old place, but it matters. It matters where you are planted. And see, I want to see you planted in the house of God. Because I want to see you planted in the things of God. I want to see you planted in a place that is so rich and ready that things will start growing and sprouting in your life that you never even thought possible. Hopefully by next week, I'll be 110%. And I can speak like I want to speak. But I want you to keep that visual on your mind this week. Because next week, I'm going to pick up exactly where I was at that table. It's important for you to be here. Would you pray with me, please? God, we thank you for the promise. The promise that if we are planted in the house of God, in the things of God, that we will flourish and that we will thrive and that we will be the people that you've called us to be doing the things that you've called us to do. And God, even in times of adversity, we're like that palm tree who bends to the right and bends to the left, but because those roots go down deep and they seek the nourishment that's available to them, they do not break. It's a word picture for us. It's a way that we can see and know and understand they're like the cedar of Lebanon. We're going to go through tough times, 
but the roots when they're planted in the right place firmly and strongly in a particular place those roots reach down and they grip the rocks and when those difficult times come we hang in there the righteous who are planted in the house of God will flourish and God we want to be those people those, we want to be that church even in times of adversity we look to see what you're doing what only you can do in times like these as we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus name Amen
Of the goodness of God. 